Cannabis Commerce continues to cultivate new markets for adventurous entrepreneurs. CannabisRadio.com welcomes the adventurous to cannabis and commerce. Presented by GreenBiz.com. This show brings together cannabis entrepreneurs and industry experts to discuss today's important cannabis issues. Our discussions will chronicle the challenges faced by cannabis owners and the battles surrounding cannabis nationwide. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Cannabis and Commerce, where we talk cannabis. I'm your host, Josh Miller, with my co-host, Robbie Paul. We are of the Green Consulting Group, and we appreciate you joining us. Our show brings together cannabis owners, advocates, and industry experts to discuss the most prevalent topics and issues facing the cannabis industry today. On today's show, we're going to be discussing a topic that is very near and dear to our hearts. We're going to be talking about PTSD and a recent petition and attempt to add PTSD as a qualifying condition in Arizona. Um, today, our special guest, Ben Sobel and Heather Manis, who have really carried this torch of this fight to add PTSD as a qualifying condition. Heather Manis is the founder and president of the Arizona Cannabis Nurses Association. Nurse Heather is a registered nurse specializing in all aspects of medical cannabis care. She has worked with hundreds of medical cannabis patients in New Mexico and Arizona. She also serves as a medical director for Sacred Garden, one of the 23 approved medical cannabis dispensaries in New Mexico. Heather is also an Edison Infusions mastermind. Ken Sobel is an attorney, consultant, and medical marijuana entrepreneur. Ken founded the Green Halo LLC, an Arizona not-for-profit limited liability company, and the first Arizona MMJ dispensary certificate holder to apply for operational approval from AZDHS. The Green Halo was also the first dispensary to obtain operating approval for its marijuana-infused product kitchen, the Heavenly Harvest. He has served as a dispensary management consultant for several other dispensaries and has been a speaker on behalf of the National Cannabis Industry Association. Ken and Heather, thank you guys for joining us. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, Josh. We're happy to be here. So, Ken and Heather, yesterday was a really big day in this fight for PTSD. Uh, before we talk about the journey you guys have been on, can you guys update us on what happened yesterday and what this means for PTSD <laughs> patients in Arizona? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having us on to talk about this very important issue. Yesterday, for the first time in Arizona history, we were able to add a new debilitating condition, post-traumatic stress disorder. And also for the first time in American or U.S. law, we were able to do so by getting a court to order a state agency to add that condition. And the only difference is that yesterday, the director, um, uh, decided that the condition would be added so that the more than 500,000 PTSD sufferers in the state of Arizona or more, including a lot of our returning war heroes uh, who suffer PTSD in epidemic proportions, now um, those individuals will be able to get a recommendation from a physician of their PTSD condition and then be able to safely access their medical marijuana or cannabis medicine um, in any of the 80 plus dispensaries in Arizona. So it was a huge day and thanks go to the Arizona Cannabis Nurses Association and Nurse Heather. She's a real pioneer and she made this happen. Absolutely. That's, that sounds historic in ways and that's pretty awesome. Will you guys talk to us just about the, the journey, the, the, the long journey and battle that you guys have faced um, in order to make this happen? Where did it start and, and which steps did you have to take to make this happen? Well, I'll start with how this came from the beginning was that I was a 
registered nurse in New Mexico, where under the New Mexico medical cannabis program, PTSD is a debilitating condition. And so as a nurse working there, I worked with lots of PTSD patients. Um, and when I moved to Arizona two years ago, recognized that PTSD was not a debilitating condition under the Arizona Medical Marijuana Act and, and knew that it needed to be because there are so many people that can be benefited by cannabis who have PTSD. And so that's kind of where the seeds started. What, what did you see in New Mexico and what have you seen in Arizona for people who use cannabis? How does it help them? Well, I'll give you an example. One of one of my patients in, in New Mexico was a Iraq war hero, and he came back with traumatic brain injury, multiple other physical injuries, but he also had seizures due to the traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. He was blown up by an IED while he was in a Humvee. And so he, he was my patient for three years, and he was a very hard patient. Um, to, to handle because his PTSD was very extensive. Um, so he would come in and we would, he always had to have indica strains. And so we would take care of him and, and do those things for him. Uh, because of his memory and the traumatic brain injury, he had a hard time remembering to do things. So I continually told him, you're getting close. Your card's about to expire. You need to get it renewed. And one day he came in and his card had been expired and I was unable to, provide medicine for him at that time because of the law. And so I told him that I, I couldn't give him medicine, I couldn't sell that to him, and that he needed to get his card renewed. Unfortunately, in New Mexico, it takes 30 days to get your medical cannabis card. And unfortunately, three weeks after this incident with him, um, I received a phone call from his family stating that he had taken his own life. Oh. That to me was very, very dramatic, and it shows how important it is to have these PTSD patients under under the umbrella of a legal program where they can access, have safe access to quality medicine and actually choose, come into a dispensary and choose the medicine that they need. Um, that was really the fire that was burning when I got here and, and sort of the flame that's kept everything moving. Um, so we, you know, talking with Ken, we decided to go ahead and put in a petition uh, through the Arizona Cannabis Nurses Association to have PTSD listed. And the Green Consulting Group, Josh and Robbie, you are a huge part of, of this because <laughs> you guys created the first petition um, or created our petition for us that it was ultimately denied by the, by the department. Um, but it was a wonderful petition and they actually stated that the quality of the petition is why they moved us through, even though by their standards, we didn't have the high, highest quality, double-blind, randomized studies that they were looking for. As you know, those kinds of studies are very difficult to conduct, and um, so, so there we are. There had been a PTSD petition initially brought under the first round of accepting such petitions back in the early part of 2012, and they were unsuccessful. And I had reviewed and looked at that material and decided that we would go a step further if necessary, but we needed a much higher quality petition, even if it were to be denied, to use as a basis for appeal. So that's where I met these four brilliant, aspiring law students at the time who ultimately became the Green Group. 
and we all got together <laughs> and created a 109-page uh, petition that was extremely well done and highly professional, unlike the first one. And that was the basis for going forward through the process then of getting the Arizona Department of Health Services to consider that petition. So it actually played out exactly as we thought it would. In other words, the petition went through the petition process and the presentations were made. The department denied that petition, but we were then able to use that petition as our basis or as our platform to then appeal it. So that resulted in going to the Office of Administrative Hearings, an administrative law judge who then considered all of the evidence after four full days of evidentiary hearings where witnesses were called and cross-examined and documentary evidence was produced and resulted then in Judge Shedden deciding on June 4th of this year that he would reverse the department's decision in this landmark ruling and order the department to add this condition. So that's what really brings us you know, here today. Um, we now have a decision. We're not entirely happy with it because the judges added or the, the department director has added conditions that we can get into a little bit later. So Ken and Heather, thanks so much for your insight up to this point. We need to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. We're going to talk more about this battle that you guys have had with ADHS um, and trying to add PTSD as a qualifying condition. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Looking to capitalize your cannabis business? You need the help of professionals who know the ins and outs of this industry and can help your business grow. You need the Green Consulting Group. We grow cannabis. Based in Colorado and working nationwide, we are experts in business strategy and understand the intricacies of operating within existing regulatory structures of this burgeoning industry. We offer business planning and market analysis, dispensary and cultivation management, marijuana license preparation, and regulatory compliance services. The Green Consulting Group are your consummate cannabis consultants and advocates, offering customized, cutting-edge professional consulting services to the cannabis industry. Find out how we can help you by visiting the Green Consulting Group at G-R-E-E-N-E-B-I-Z.com. Green Consulting Group does not constitute legal or other professional advice on any subject and always recommends seeking the advice of independent counsel and business professionals. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network, CannabisRadio.com. The conversation continues. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. So welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce with the Green Consulting Group. On air with us today are Ken Sobel and Heather Manis, who have been in a long battle, a long and recently somewhat victorious battle to add PTSD as a qualifying condition in Arizona. Before the break, we were talking about this road you guys have gone through with a petition process and then a, a hearing after that petition was accepted. The petition was denied by ADHS. And then Ken and Heather, you guys went to an administrative law judge um, and asked him to overturn ADHS's denial of, of our petition in order to add that condition. The administrative law judge decided would add that condition to where we stand today. 
Um, Ken, can you talk to us more about that ALJ hearing and which which types of evidence you guys had to present at that hearing to convince the judge to add this? Yeah, it actually was, uh, you know, a great hearing. And we decided that we needed uh, to explain really all about cannabis medicine. And that's why Nurse Heather and the three other doctors that we presented were amazing, especially Nurse Heather was specifically pointed to by the administrative law judges providing the most credible evidence. So we basically nice. took that ALJ, the judge, all the way through describing how this is plant medicine. This is not some pharmaceutical molecules that have been attached. The rationale for not requiring FDA type of approval. Uh, we went into the whole history of the NIDA, uh, the National Institute of Drug Abuse, and other federal agencies that have basically created a monopoly over research and a bottleneck in terms of being able to perform high-quality, um, uh, peer-reviewed um, research. And we were able to prove that all of that was not necessary under the way the rules and the law were formulated in Arizona. What do you mean it wasn't necessary to, to have that studies? What was the standard that you were trying to argue for? Because if, if you looked at the rule, it simply required articles published in peer-reviewed scientific journals that tend to support that cannabis provides a therapeutic or disjunctive palliative benefit for that particular condition. And that's all it required. Behind closed doors, the Medical Review Committee in Arizona with the department was saying, we want some kind of FDA type of standard. Mm. That's not what the law provided. So when they denied the petition and they based it on high quality uh, FDA type standards, we were able to, to pierce that bubble essentially and show no. All we're required to show are these particular articles. And there were about two dozen that the Green Group and, and uh, Nurse Heather and I assembled that qualified and met that standard. So very nice. Can, can you guys talk a little bit more about that science, though, and why it's not there? I mean, what's going on in this country to where we don't have cannabis science? Well, here, here's what I'd say is that nobody, no serious person involved with cannabis medicine who has researched it and understands it. No one, and including all of the patients out there, particularly our returning war heroes, no one has any doubt that cannabis is safe and effective for providing a palliative benefit for their PTSD symptoms. The only question is exactly how it does it. We know it's involved in the memory retrieval process, the fear extinction process, and also the stress mediation, which are all the major components of the PTSD sufferer. So the inquiry really is focused on that. And until something changes with regard to the U.S. government, which hip hypocritically has a patent that shows that cannabis is a good antioxidant neuroprotectant, but mm -hmm. at the same time tries to make it illegal on the other side of things and has no value as a Schedule One drug. Until that changes, there will be none of these high-level studies. Mm -hmm. But suffice it to say that we had sufficient evidence to overcome what the hurdle is, what the, the standard is in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So, Ken and Nurse Heather, can you guys uh, talk to us uh, about what that process was actually like about about going to the uh, administrative law judge? Uh, did uh, the AZDHS, did the department themselves have um, a group of, uh, uh, of attorneys or counsel that, that they had hired as well? And, you know, uh, what was that whole process and uh, experience like for the uh, two of you? Oh, yeah. The, the department had a world-renowned law firm, major law firm in the Phoenix area, 
were the senior attorney involved in probably hundreds of health department cases and a senior associate and paralegals and law clerks and they had quite a staff and they were exceptionally good lawyers. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, all expensive the ACCNA, <laughs> and very expensive. And all the all the AZCNA, the Cannabis Nurse Association, was little old me, and uh, <laughs> I was up against these. You know, one of those old axioms that y'all will relate to as as young lawyers, and if not, you will eventually in your career. Is that you know, if if you don't have the facts, argue the law. If you don't have the law, argue the facts. And if you have neither, just argue. <laughs> and they were very good at just arguing. But as long as I had Nurse Heather and this amazing array of witnesses, we presented three doctors, Nurse Heather, uh, we presented an expert, uh, a dispensary owner who also had expertise in pharmacology and the pharmaceutical marketing industry. We had a great, a, 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 of course, a returning Afghan vet. So we had these amazing witnesses who did incredibly well on the witness stand. It was a full-blown trial, uh, except it was to a judge and not a jury. And at the end of the day, you know, it's one of those cases where justice prevailed. Mm -hmm. I uh, like it. Yeah, David, David B. Goliath. Robbie, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, no. Uh, Ken, I'm, I'm very uh, curious to know, uh, what were they sort of armed with in a sense? What were some of their major points of argument and contention as to why the petition should be denied? Well, uh, one of the first things they did is they hired a guy from the U of A. Uh, this was the department did that. And he's a researcher who researches research. And that's it. <laughs> he knew nothing about cannabis. He knew nothing about the NIDA monopoly. He knew nothing about the, uh, these, these various issues. He simply came in to say that the articles that we presented were not very good. And uh, he had never had any understanding of exactly how the rules worked in Arizona. Um, they actually admitted in their closing argument that they presented, I told them that he presented no evidence that either uh, cannabis was not effective for treating PTSD, and also they admitted that they could present no evidence of any harm that it caused. So at the end of the day, they just argued. Ken, real quickly, you said NIDA monopoly, and I, I think a lot of people won't quite understand what that is. So NIDA is the National Institute on Drug Use, and what is their, what is their monopoly? Well, they actually control what uh, the research can be done involving cannabis. And so what they will approve is any uh, research that wants to prove that cannabis is a problem, like in the area of addiction. But what they won't approve is anything that proves that cannabis may be helpful. And they control the only supply in, uh, in Mississippi, University of Mississippi, that can provide the cannabis that can be used for study. Mm. So that's what we call the NIDA monopoly. Uh, without their approval, you can't go forward with it. Coincidentally, we had a researcher, Dr. Sue Sicily here, who actually got their approval to do a cannabis study involving PTSD. Mm -hmm. However, at the end of the day, number one, it turned out Mississippi had run out of their medical cannabis, and it was gonna be five or six months delay. And then number two, she was recently fired in a retaliatory uh, firing uh, for her advocacy on behalf of doing this study. Um, so all of these things are kind of occurring concurrently. Is this a fact that she was uh, dismissed from her position as a result of everything that had happened? Well, I can't speak to that other than she's made that allegation and her lawyer who she hired out of Santa Fe has also said the same thing. And, really? the, and there is a definite coincidence in terms of timing. 
Sure, sure, sure. No, I mean, that definitely makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's just, it's such a shame, you know, because even in drafting the petition, we knew that, that Sue Sicily had done a lot of work. And, you know, uh, very recently, we had started making a lot of progress. And then, you know, with this uh, recent uh, victory that we have, even making more progress. So um, definitely a shock, but not a total surprise that uh, some sort of action like this was taken. Uh, hopefully, it's something that, you know, we'll be able to overcome and continue doing the research. Because at the end of the day, I think a lot of us are interested in seeing that research being done and, uh, you know, just learning more about this plant. I, you know, I had attended the Patients Out of Time Cannabis Clinical Conference in, in um, Oregon, in Portland, in May. And that's, that's the conference where they bring all of the researchers from around the world to educate medical professionals like doctors and, and nurses and, and medical people who are interested. Um, one of the things that was important to note is that as they went through their presentations, they would say, oh, cannabis works in this area of the brain, and that's another reason why it works for PTSD. And that would happen throughout the entire conference. It is known in the research world that cannabis is useful for PTSD. What they are focused on is how it works where it works in the brain, what's going on in the body with, with this endocannabinoid system and the fact that it's, that they've actually found that patients who have PTSD are endocannabinoid deficient. And so when, when it comes down to needing this study to prove that it works on a human for PTSD, that's all well and good. But in the research world itself, they already know that it works. Their focus is trying to figure out how it works. Wow, that's, uh, that's extremely interesting, Nurse Heather. Definitely thank you for that insight. We'll continue uh, this discussion after our short break. You're listening to Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, a fitness writer, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Like many of the million people who are living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every single day. And sometimes my nerves are so raw that if you brushed up against me in an elevator, I'd scream. I can't sleep at night from the pain, and sometimes the spasms in my legs are so intense they will wake me up throughout the night. I've tried the strongest prescription medications available, and I'm going to tell you, they do not work. In fact, they leave me in a stupor, and most of the time, it's impossible to even live your life. Now, I've tried medical marijuana, and I'm going to tell you something, it works. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. The conversation continues. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce. Presented by GreenBiz.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce with the Green Consulting Group. On air with us is Ken Sobel and Nurse Heather Manis, and we've been talking about PTSD and the Arizona Department of Health Services. Uh, Nurse Heather and Ken, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Before we went to break, uh, we were talking a little bit about the uh, different strains of, of cannabis that there are and, and the effects they have. Uh, Nurse Heather, just for our audiences um, and, you know, based upon your wide experiences, uh, can you tell us about the uh, differentiation between the uh, indica strains and the sativa strains and the kinds of impacts that we see in terms of their uh, therapeutic and uh, uh, palliative effects? Absolutely. So when, when you think about indica and sativa strains, you think of them in terms of daytime, nighttime use. So sativa is more of a daytime medicine because it helps you be alert. It gives you creativity, energy, motivation. And, and indica is usually used for nighttime use because it helps with body relaxation, sleep, uh, pain, those kinds of things. What we found with PTSD is that they're already in a hypervigilant state. Anxiety is something that they have in, going on all the time. So for a lot of the patients, sativas are not a good choice for them because sativas can actually, in some patients, create an anxietous effect. They can get a little bit of anxiety from that. Where with the indica strains, they don't get that. They just, they it actually relaxes the nervous system some so they can just simply function as a normal human being and, and function throughout the day. Um, so it's, it's important that patients have the opportunity to be under a program so they can have safe access to medical cannabis in a dispensary. They can go in and choose sativas or indicas. Now, just with, with cannabis, it's the same as any other medication, that there may be a paradoxical effect that some patients may actually have the opposite effect. So it's nothing that we would want to put into, say, a law stating that PTSD patients can only have indica. It's just a known standard that when you have a PTSD patient, you will encourage the use of an indica unless they specifically tell you, indicas don't work for me, I need a sativa. Um, that's one of the differentiating issues between those two and why it is so vitally important to have these PTSD patients under a state program so they can have safe access to the correct medication. I know with PTSD, a lot of people suffer with uh, just visions and nightmares and things like that. And so you're saying these indicas, these nighttime marijuanas are helping people to rest easy and not have as many nightmares and things like that? Absolutely. And can't you imagine, you know, I'm sure all of us have had a night where we were you know, working all night or we were up or we were sleepless. And the next day, you just don't have the energy to do what you need to do. It, it's sure. just not there. Now, add that to a second night of doing that. And how are you going to feel that next day? It's going to be worse. Now, couple that with about, you know, a month, two months, a year worth of hard time sleeping. And, you know, you're, you're going to your life is going to be a mess. So that's what we're seeing and why it's so important. Some PTSD patients will not medicate throughout the day. They go to work. They do what they need to do. But at night, they're able to use it to sleep, which is in itself very, very therapeutic and beneficial. Cool. That's really, that's amazing. I, I love that. All right. We, we're about to have to get out of here. We, we may have to continue this amazing conversation at some other point too. Um, but guys, what's next for the future um, with PTSD in Arizona? I mean, it, are patients going to be able to go tomorrow and add their dispensary, have PTSD as their debilitating condition and get cannabis? That would be our preference. Yeah. The department is attempting to impose certain conditions. First of all, a delay of implementation to January 1, 2015. Second, they're attempting to interfere with the physician-patient relationship and requiring a PTSD patient, unlike others, 
to be undergoing some other, quote, conventional therapy that's not allowed under the law. And then third, they're adding a whole list of excuses, if you will, for very ministerial kinds of things that could be done within a day or two, and yet they're claiming they need roughly five months in order to do that. So over the next week to 10 days in the short term, we'll be determining whether or not to bring a lawsuit against them if they're not, if they're not willing to back off of that. But at the worst case scenario, this will go into effect on January 1, 2015. On that day, a PTSD patient would be able to get a recommendation, get a patient card, go to a dispensary, and get their medicine. With the statistic of 22 veterans committing suicide daily, I am arguing we do not have time. Five months waiting so that the department can figure something out is, is ridiculous. We, this is an epidemic. And we need to provide access to these patients immediately. They are a vulnerable population. They have endured traumatic things. And the last thing we need to do at this point is make it more difficult for them. Absolutely. I love you guys' passion. And if we hear you right, it sounds like while victorious, the battle is not yet done. Um, and it seems like that's the way it goes for all of us in the cannabis industry. Everyone, that's going to do it for this edition of Cannabis and Commerce. We want to give a very special thanks to Ken and Heather, not only for joining us and for everyone else out there, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, be like Ken and Heather and just make sure that you're doing something that helps us all have a little more freedom. We appreciate your time and we look forward to having you with us again. Take care. The opinions and thoughts expressed by the Green Consulting Group and its guests on this radio show do not constitute legal or other professional advice on any matter. We always recommend that listeners seek the advice of independent counsel. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.